This is the Mooncast. Welcome to the Mooncast, and I don't want to waste any of your time, so let's just jump right into it. Today, we're going to be talking about different market updates and market sentiment and things of this nature, DeFi, coin burning, Tesla, and all these different sorts of things. So let's just jump right into it. First, we're going to talk about Binance completes the 24th quarterly BNB burn, right? So 1.99 million BNB has been burned. I repeat, 1.99 million approximately has been burned. So that's an approximate 1.27% of the supply, right? So I believe, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, their tokenomics is very similar to Ethereum in, in terms of they have a, well, they do it a little bit differently because with, with uh, Ethereum, it's based off of the transaction volume, right? So in Ethereum, the more transactions that take place, the more a percentage of those transactions get burned and it can surpass the total amount of emissions because Ethereum has infinite emissions, I think. I don't remember exactly the amount in regards to emissions. I think it's around a 2 or 3% or something like oh, maybe a 4%, something around that range per year in, in uh, token inflation, right? And they're basically when you, when you increase the amount of transaction volume on Ethereum, they burn more tokens. And the idea is that once Ethereum gets big enough as a network operating state, they will be able to be deflationary forever. And the token holders will forever have an, an appreciating asset that just increases in value over the course of time. Now, with BNB, basically they do like these sort of uh, quarterly burn uh, mechanisms, right? Where every single quarter, basically what ends up happening is that they just go ahead and burn a significant amount of tokens. You can check it on chain too as well, but we won't get into that right now for this particular podcast, right? And uh, excuse me, guys, if I'm a little bit, um, my speech is a little bit off because I'm a little bit under the weather today, just to let you guys know, but (coughs) the show must go on, right? The show must go on. So sorry about that, guys. And I hope it doesn't ruin your listening experience throughout the course of this podcast, but I will get my health in order so that you guys can have a more enjoyable experience in the future for the podcast. And we'll be bringing on more guests as time continues, so just stay tuned, right? So moving on to the next piece of news, we got BitMEX expands partnership with Italian soccer giant AC Milan, right? And so when you scroll down here, this is very, very bullish. You can uh, see the the BitMEX logos right here. Uh, for those who are watching on the screen, for those who are not, they have the BitMEX logos on the left shoulder of the jersey, sort of left arm, left shoulder-ish of the jersey, right? And if you scroll down here, it says the quick take is the crypto derivatives exchange. BitMEX expanded its partnership with the Italian soccer team AC Milan to tap into its global fan base, right? And so it continues, the article goes on to continue and says that BitMEX will transition from a sleeve sponsorship or sleeve sponsor on the team's playing kits to becoming... AC Milan's premium premium partner while continuing as its official cryptocurrency trading partner. The extended partnership aims to boost BitMEX's brand presence by tapping into the club's global fan base, right? According to a statement, the value of the deal was not disclosed, right? And yeah, so the CFO or the CEO and the group of CFOs, uh, Stefan Lutz, says... Uh, we are thrilled to reinforce our partnership with AC Milan beyond the philanthropic projects we have worked to- together on. We both appreciate and applaud the spirit of competition and the sense of connection that comes from it, right? So very good, very important for the cryptocurrency markets that we continue to expand with global recognition and continue to get more eyeballs on this space to continue to expand on the user base and the liquidity so that we can create this new 
third layer on top of the web 2 right of the internet right so that's the entire point of crypto so let's move on to the next piece of news so we have tesla didn't buy or sell any bitcoin for four for the fourth straight quarter in q2 right so tesla still has diamond hands so in case anyone was wondering and this article goes on to read it says the net value of this of its digital assets at the end of quarter of the quarter was 184 million the same as it's been for the past three quarters, right? At the end of the second quarter, the price of Bitcoin was roughly 30400 and up from 28500 at the end of first quarter. However, the current accounting rules don't allow the valuation of the digital assets to be increased when prices rise unless the assets are sold, right? But they can be reduced when prices decline even before a sale, right? So... Very, very interesting news. And the article also goes on to read, it says Tesla, Tesla hasn't bought or sold any Bitcoin since last year, second quarter, when it sold more than 30,000 Bitcoin or roughly 75,000 of its holdings for 936 million. So yeah, that's pretty much the news about Tesla having diamond hands and not selling any of their Bitcoin. I think we're at the precipice at the beginning of the next bull cycle. And if you just look at the previous year before the halving of every other cycle bitcoin usually did anywhere from like a 70 to 100 percent gain and it sort of signals the beginning of okay the 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 two-year bear market is kind of over and we're kind of starting to transition now because in my opinion the bear market started in 2000 and 2021 in january when they kind of started increasing the interest rates, right? Which we'll get into the increasing interest rates. They just did another rate hike too as well, but we'll get into that later on in the podcast, right? But it's very interesting to see, you know, Elon's positioning and how he's, you know, he's also rebranded Twitter. It's now X, as you guys know, and he is also adding Dogecoin. And I believe that he will eventually add crypto payments. I think it's inevitable that he does do that. I don't know when he will do it, but I do believe the crypto payments will be coming as he does try to make X a new pioneer in the change and shift in the global financial markets. And he's trying to make it into a all-in-one inclusive financial hub. So we'll see how these things develop moving forward. So let's go on to the next piece of news. So we have FTX administrators filed to recover 71 million from its philanthropic and life science arms, right? So as to continue to try to recollect all of the customer funds as they're all scrambled around in houses and all these different type of air quotations, philanthropic endeavors, we'll see exactly what comes about with that specifically. But the article goes on to read administrators for FTX are seeking to recover more than 71 million from the bankrupt Exchanges Philanthropic and Life Science Arms, FTX Foundation, the Sam Breaker and Freed, Latina Life Science Funds received around $71.5 million from FTX and Alameda Research. Investment was made in the life science field between February and October of 2022. In companies such as Lumen Bioscience, Green Light, Biosciences, Genetic Networks, and 4J. Uh, therapeutics, right? So the donations were for personal uh, aggrandizement, right? So it talks about uh, in an effort to recover funds for for creditors, lawyers represent FTX administrator argued these donations were made by or made for uh, Sam Bankman-Fried's personal aggrandizement, right? And it goes on to read that the FTX Foundation was the philanthropic arm of the FTX group of companies and Latona was a sham nonprofit company organized in the Bahamas. Together, the FTX Foundation and Latona took over 71 million of commingled funds from Alameda and FTX accounts to make investments in and donations to life sciences companies from Bankman Freed's personal aggrandizement court documents filed on Wednesday stated, right? So, while, um, yeah, so we won't get too much into that. So, yeah, so basically, the article just basically just sums up 
another form of, mm, I don't want to call it money laundering, but a way for him to sort of hide. and It is it is money laundering, I guess, to an extent. It's a way for him to hide funds and customer funds. And sort of he has some, some money, you know, to, to escape this current situation that he's in. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting to see where things will go, you know, if customers are going to get at least a portion of their funds back. We have seen that, you know, the customers from Mount Gox are starting to, or were, from the last time I, I looked up and updated, they were getting some of their funds back from the debacle that happened, you know, almost 10 years ago. So, yeah, we'll see uh, how these things continue to develop and play out. But let's move on to the next piece of news. And here we can see that FTX sues Sam Bankman-Fried and other former execs to claw back $1 billion, right? So the article goes on to read, it says uh, FTX has uh, sued former CEO uh, SBF and other former key executives from the now bankrupt crypto exchange to recover more than $1 billion in allegedly misappropriated funds, right? So it shows here the court filings and the documents and everything uh, and all the different information that you need. And for this article, for those who are looking, you can kind of see and read this piece right here, but we won't get into that much. And we'll just scroll down here and we'll see it says that the defendants created an environment in which a handful of employees had virtually limitless power to oversee transfers of fiat and crypto assets, as well as granting themselves the power to hire and fire employees with no effective oversight on how they exercise these powers, the suit claimed, right? So additionally, FTX, uh, allegedly, the former executives issued more than $725 million worth of equity to themselves <laughs> without, the, without debtors receiving any value in exchange. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I don't even know what to say. It's just funny how... Some people are able to famoose and finesse the system in this high degree and high level without being unchecked and, un, and unregulated. You know, it's just weird. But I mean, it makes sense when you look at the amount of money that we don't really know all of it. But we know that he did he did donate a lot of money to political entities to sort of protect himself as sort of a protection mechanism. So it is very, very interesting. Um, the article also says that FTX claimed uh, Bankman Freed and Wang also misappropriated an additional $546 million to purchase shares in trading platform Robinhood. Crazy. The filing alleged Alice Ellison paid herself $28.8 million in bonuses and used $10 million of the funds to purchase a stake in an artificial intelligence company. Wow. Uh, I, it, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. You know, you're, you're supposed to build the idea of business, right? Business is designed so, in my opinion, everyone is supposed to win. The company wins because of providing value to people. The people win because they get that value. And the company wins again because the, the people then exchange that that good or service for with dollars, right? And dollars just another form of energy. And so... Everyone is supposed to win in these type of situations. In the same sense of an exchange, the people deploy their capital and they get the thing that they need, which is the cryptocurrency, right? They get to trade those, that, that, that they have the privilege to trade those assets, right? And the company wins because they win on the trading fees and they're only supposed to take the profits from the trading fees, not actually the underlying principle from the customer's funds. So... I don't know what he was doing and how he was able to get away with that for so long, but there should have definitely been some sort of eyeballs in that, especially because it was one of the biggest exchanges in the entire world at that point, especially during the bull market. And they had sponsorships, deals, you know, they even had the rebrand of FTX to the naming rights in, my, in the Miami Heat Stadium, you know. So it is quite funny to see how these things are sort of playing out, but... Anyways, the article then goes on to read that Bankman Free transferred ten million as a gift from his FTX US account to his father's account on the same exchange. <laughs> it's almost unbelievable, you know. It's, 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 there needs to be like a Netflix special or some kind of movie about this because it's really crazy. But this is again why I always emphasize to hold your own keys. I slept peacefully at night because I hold my own keys. So I 
almost escaped through all the debacle that happened in 2022, from the Celsius crash, the BlockFi crash, to the Luna, to Three Arrows Capital. I, I, I did. I was a Luna victim, but I didn't have such a large leverage in my portfolio in Luna. But the point that I want to make with that is that, you know, um, that was a DeFi pro- protocol. But the point is. When you see things starting to wind down, it's better to be safe than sorry. The first thing with investing is safety and security. Everything else comes after that. So if something isn't safe enough or secure enough, yeah, you can take risk here and there, but you shouldn't be allocating a large percentage of your capital for risky investments. And for me, putting your money into a Web2 platform and holding it there like it's a custodian is some of the biggest risks you can take as an investor. And I think that people just aren't, now or hopefully they'll be more aware coming the next bull cycle of the importance of self-custody and custodying your own assets but this is what can happen and people can't take advantage you know when you think something is safe and it's not you know exchange it's in a word it means to exchange your value that's it you're not supposed to custody your value there or have relinquish control have somebody else custody your value for you you're supposed to take charge and take pride in custodying your own value but Anyways, says shortly afterward, Bankman Freed's father made a six six transfers totaling six point seven million to personal accounts at Morgan Stanley and TD Ameritrade in the filing asserts. FTX claimed his this gift is being used to fund Baker Freed's legal defense. Right, so FTX said um, many of the alleged fraudulent transfers offered or occurred while the exchange was insolvent. Something is said that the defendants were acutely aware of while FTX initially prohibited accounts carrying a negative balance. Bankman Freed allegedly directed his associates to modify the exchange's code. Crazy. Crazy. Man, due to this altercation, FTX was capable of maintaining standard operations while running very large deficits, right? So by by March 2022, Ellison privately estimated that the FTX exchange had a cash deficit alone of more than $10 billion. The filing added, the cryptocurrency exchange and its subsidiaries are now headed by restructuring chief and CEO John Ray after it filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on November 11, 2022. So we'll... Continue on with a little bit more FTX news here and then move on to something else that's more fun because I'm honestly tired of talking about FTX. But I know it's it's prevalent news. A lot of people lost a lot of money. So I do want to give you guys the sort of updates that you guys need in regards to that and just my commentary on that too as well. So this article goes on to say that Bank from Freed uses company funds for criminal defense uh, FTX. So this is, again, it's just kind of following up on kind of what we already read previously and so again we'll we'll see how this gets determined in court and what funds go where if they're going to go back to the customers or if they're not going to go back to the customers we'll see i hope that the customers get at least a majority of their funds back man it's really really messed up what what's what's been going on you know and you know it, you know you almost think that you these things are safe these products are safe but people don't understand they're all experimental everything you know, once you deploy your capital in crypto, just consider it all gone. And I don't mean that in a bad way or in a pessimistic way, in a bearish way. I just mean that as in any kind of investment, consider the money gone. You know, you should not deploy capital into any kind of investment and uh, expect that there's not a possibility that there, there, that it could go to zero. You know, there's always that possibility. It doesn't matter whether it's real estate, even gold. You know, I know it's been uniformly one of the the most, I guess, agreed upon assets in the world that has value. But at some point, there could come a time where the digital assets take over and people realize that gold is not as as easily divisible or as uh, as mobile, you know, as something like a Bitcoin or something like that. So any any asset that you invest in can go to zero. Any asset. So keep that in mind, you know, when you're deploying your capital in these markets, it's a very volatile roller coaster ride, right? So moving on to the next piece of news. So we have FTX and Genesis reach agreement on ongoing bankruptcy dispute, right? So 
Let's scroll down here. <clears throat> this article goes on to read, it says, Crypto Lender Genesis Global Capital is FTX's largest unsecured creditor, <coughs> excuse me, with 226 million in claims. So we see here, bankrupt crypto firms FTX and Genesis have reached an agreement in principle that would resolve claims uh, made by both parties in their ongoing dispute, right? So the parties have reached an agreement in principle subject to documentation regarding a settlement that would resolve, among other things, the claims asserted by FTX debtors against the debtors in these Chapter 11 cases and the claims asserted by Genesis debtors against FTX debtors in the FTX Chapter 11 cases, right? And so the article goes on to read, it says Genesis has emerged as the largest unsecured creditor of FTX and his affiliated companies with 226 million point or 226.3 million owed according to a January court filing that includes a list of major creditors, right? In parallel, FTX also claimed that Genesis owed nearly $4 billion, later reduced to $2 billion, which Genesis has denied. So there's an ongoing dispute between both parties to try to come up with a settlement, right? And so we'll see basically and follow up on that and to see how that goes. I guarantee you right now that I don't think that Genesis is going to get their money back. Um, I don't know what they're planning on doing, but they're not going to get their money back. But I don't think. I could be wrong, but we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on that. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So <clears throat> here we see Binance invests $10 million in DeFi lender Radiant, right? Radiant jumps 10%. And so protocol the, the protocol was built on the architecture of layer zero, which raised $120 million at a $3 billion valuation earlier this year, right? So if you guys don't know, layer zero is basically trying to solve the interoperability problem without having to use a bridge. So basically doing native token to native token swaps, right? And this is the idea of layer zero is the ability for the chains because the chains have different codings and other algorithms that are not really conducive or cohesive in in regards to being able to move homogeneously, right? Amongst value transfer from one network state to another. So layer zero is trying to solve that problem. And so, yeah, I remember when they launched and, you know, I had somebody in my research group that actually invested in them and, and made some, some decent gains from that too as well. So um, it's good to see that Binance is still investing in these markets and also there's still people investing, period, in the markets and, and pushing out funds and all these different things. It's a great sign for crypto overall. And it's a, it's a good, to, it's bullish, you know, overall it's bullish that people are still spending money in the space and you know, with these incubators and these seed rounds and all these different types of things. So, um, yeah, so the Radiant is built because so the article goes on to read, um, it says Radiant, which currently has about $265 million in total value locked according to DeFi Lama data. The platform supports more than 20 collateral options and plans to add new options in the future as Radiant DAO expands the functionality to additional chains, right? So, yeah, super interesting stuff. Let's move on to the next piece of news. I have big hopes for DeFi, which I'll get into a little bit later, too, as well, of what I'm thinking about that, too. But let's go on and move on to OpenSea. So OpenSea makes deals, right, and launches a peer-to-peer -peer NFT swaps, right? So the new feature allows collectors to trade NFTs directly with each other as well as add weth to sweeten the deal right interesting so finally you can do some peer-to-peer -peer without any third party meaning like a like a marketplace platform right so it says like it says here the article goes on to read it says um non-fungible token marketplace OpenSea announced thursday it's rolling out deals a peer-to-peer -peer nft swap function to help traders bolster their collections and engage with other collectors directly right so really really cool and it says uh an open tweet that deals with a, it says open said in a tweet that deals will allow collectors to trade nfts among each other as well as to include the wrapped eth so yeah just don't want to double check and repeat myself right there but basically the point is that you're able to do peer-to-peer -peer trading on open right 
which um, is the entire part of crypto, right? To kind of remove those intermediaries uh, in, in as a whole, right? So let's move on to the next piece of news. So we have Solana records one outage in, in, in the first half of 2023, 100% uptime in Q2. For me, this is, this is hilarious because it's not really something that should be seen as good because the entire what is the entire point of blockchain right it needs to be scalable it needs to be secure right and if it's not scalable if it's not secure and so solana is scalable right so the problem i have with solana is the number one priority of blockchain is security i don't care what anyone says it's security not it being cheap and it being scalable and it being uh, interoperable, it's security, right? Security, 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 security. I always keep pinpointing this fact of security. I think it's uber important that you understand that if a chain is not secure, how can it be globally adopted? You know, if you need to worry about it going out, you know, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin layer one chain, yeah, it gets slow, but it never, it never turns off. It keeps moving, right? And if a blockchain is, is capable of turning off, then for me, it's not really a blockchain. And it's it's extremely highly centralized and it's a, it's a huge risk. I think it's a big risk than people may be thinking. So from my perspective, I, I don't like Solana because of this reason of it being able to shut down. I understand that they, they get a lot of users and you know, they have a lot of network activity and all these things. But I think people haven't really come to the conclusion that what if things shut off? What if you're playing a crypto game on Solana and the network just has an outage? And now you lose money because of that. Or you need to, you have all your money in the Solana network. And then you need to move funds to pay for bills. And you can't because there's a network outage. No one ever thinks of these things, you know. Um, it's crazy to me, you know. It's crazy, but there's a lot of influencers and high-level People market uh, key key leaders, you know, in in the space, you know, key influencers in the space, such as Raul Powell and stuff that shill Solana so so hard, you know, and invest answers and all these different types of people. I think they're just shilling their bags because maybe they lost a lot of money or they didn't cash out on time with Solana because of the the collapse and everything that happened, especially during the bear run and everything was was kind of going down in value and people kept thinking it was just going to bounce back and to buy the dip but in reality we were entering a bear market so the article goes on to read the latest reported noted solana has experienced 100 percent uptime since february 25th marking a whole quarter without an outage the single february outage saw the network knocked offline for almost 19 hours i mean it's hilarious that we're even applauding the fact that a blockchain is not going out like it's not it's that it, 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 it's crazy a blockchain should have 100 percent uptime all the time you know and uh yeah so this is something that you know i i don't really get i don't really understand completely and yeah so anyways we can scroll down here we can see the report added that there are there have been improvements in the ratio of voting to non-voting transactions voting transactions occur when a validator votes to confirm one or more Proposed blocks of information and non-voting transactions are triggered by user behavior on the block chain, right? So, Solana Foundation goes on to tweet. They say that the, the Solana Foundation has released the most recent Solana Network performance report, right? So, the Solana Network's performance has improved through 2023 as measured by uptime, the Ratio of non-voting to voting transactions and more, right? So you can read this article and get a little bit more information on that too as well. And then they always go back to transactions per seconds, which I, I don't really care about, you know? I really don't care about the transactions per second if the chain is going to keep shutting down. None of that matters to me. You know, the scalability doesn't matter if, if you're not, if it's not secure. So... Uh, just my opinion. That's why I don't invest into things like Solana. But let's move on to the next piece of news. So here we see that Coinbase is going to wind down their lending program over the coming months. So we can look and see here. The article goes on to read. It says Coinbase borrowing program that allowed customers to receive fiat loans of up to one million against as much as 30 percent of their Bitcoin holdings. 
will be shutting down over the coming months as the company focuses its resources on products that customers are care about most. I think it's complete BS because actually a lot of customers do like the fact that they can earn yield from lending their assets. People want to earn yield. That's the, the people don't want to just buy and hold. They want to earn yield. That's why people invest in dividend stocks. That's why people invest in real estate, right? Whether how you depending on how you you leverage and, and actually invest in the real estate, but you, it's it's people want yield at around a five to seven percent return at least, right? This is what people are looking for. So I I don't think that that's at the customer's best interest. I don't know if they did any sort of feedback on that. They did like a survey or anything, but I, I don't think it's within the customer's best interest is why they're doing that. They're doing that because they're getting pressured from the SEC, right? Which is, it's super obvious, in my opinion, that that's the main reason why they decided to wind down the the borrowing uh, product, the borrowing element or the lending, the lending element of what they had, you know, for their for the platform, you know, and they've been getting hackled by the SEC for a long time now. So, yeah, it's 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 and it's funny because they're going to be the main custodian and providing service for crypto for all the major uh, wealth funds and hedge funds that are getting into the cryptocurrency market and space, you know, with the BTC ETFs and everything is being potentially rolled out within the next six to 12 months, right? Um, I find it extremely fascinating. You know, it's, it's a conflict of interest and it just doesn't make any sense. So moving on to the U.S. government sells another 8,200 Bitcoin on-chain data confirms right so why are they selling bitcoin it's ridiculous to me like the usually should be keeping it you know i don't know if people know this but for instance like countries like bulgaria have a lot of bitcoin that they haven't sold they've confiscated from criminals so why not do the same and just hold it in case you need it as a hedge you know it doesn't make any sense to me but their dollar cost averaging out it appears of Bitcoin back into fiat. But I mean, I guess it is. it does make sense to hold your own your own coin, which in this case is the fiat US dollar, right? And instead of, you know, supporting and holding something else that's actually your competitor, right? So the article goes on to talk about, it says here that on-chain analysis at CryptoQuant have confirmed previous rumors that the US United States government has sold another large batch of Bitcoin connected to the defunct Darknet marketplace, Silk Road, right? And so in a report shared by Crypto Potato, the firm said that the, the firm sold 800 or 8,200 Bitcoin from Silk Road hacker James Zong on July 12th. This was slightly under previous estimates indicating that the government have roughly or have moved roughly 9,826 from its known wallets. It's also less than the government's first confirmed sale of 9,861 Bitcoin for $260 million in March, right? And the article goes on to read, it says most of the coins were moved in a, in a single transaction of 9,319 Bitcoin, which sent 8,200 Bitcoin to one address and 1,119 Bitcoin to another. The former address forwarded the 8,200 Bitcoin to different addresses. Each address received 79 Bitcoin. These coins were eventually deposited into exchanges or recombined into fewer wallets. Though not confirmed, the author addresses with 119 BTC is believed to be controlled by the government. This address is highly likely to change address of the transaction, it said. Right. So you can scroll down here and you can see the U.S. government sees the Bitcoin balance and change. And here's a little chart for you guys, too, as well that you can look at. And yeah, so let's move on to the next piece of news. So I wanted to get into a little bit about the hacks that's going on in crypto. So we'll start here with the chronic finance drain of uh, 3.2 million in security attack. Right. So. The hacker sold 1,700 Ether, valued at over $3.2 million. Um, DeFi protocol Conic Finance suffered an exploit today by a hacker who managed to make 
uh, offer with 1700 Ether, according to security and analysis at BlockSec, right? Conic is a DeFi protocol designed to allocate funds across the curved decentralized exchange using liquidity pools it operates, right? And so, yeah, it's very, very interesting to see. And I'm going to keep showing you guys now in this follow-up, the next follow-up articles are going to be just DeFi hacks. I want to basically sum it up and get to a conclusion with all of this, but I just want to showcase to you guys the, the different hacks and different things that are going on with these DeFi protocols. And so you guys can be understanding these things are still very, very new and there could be exploits and things that people see in the code and take advantage of it and then you lose your fund. So in the next piece of news, we have Optimism moves forward with two proposals to add ZK proofs, right? And so as we scroll down here, I, I do think zero knowledge proofs is going to be huge, right? We talked about it in my previous podcast, and I really believe that zero knowledge proofs is is one step closer. It'll make us one step closer to mass adoption, you know. But anyways, Optimism is moving forward with two proposals, right? So it says here that the submissions were made in response to a request for a proposal designed to enable secure and efficient cross-chain communication, right? So the article goes on to read, it says, Ethereum Layer 2 optimistic roll-up scaling solution optimism is moving forward with two proposals to add zero-knowledge proofs. The move aims to enable secure and efficient cross-chain communication between layers and directly between OP chains. We're excited to share that we will be moving forward with proposals, right, um, from O Labs and Risk Zero. Optimism Foundation General Manager Bobby Dresser posted, right? So ZK proofs are a crypto cryptographic concept where one party, the prover, can prove to another party, the verifier, that they know a value of the truth of a statement without revealing any information behind or beyond the, the fact that they know it, enhancing privacy and security in blockchain transactions. Gonna be huge, right? So very, 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 very cool from them. And as the competition continues to heat up between Optimism and Arbitrum and all these different sort of layer two scan solutions on Ethereum, Polygon also included in that too as well. But let's move on to the next piece of news. So here we see Celsius network reaches settlements that could clear a path to return customer funds could keyword could right so bankrupt crypto lender celsius network reached settlements that could clear the path yeah so i just read that right so moving on says bankrupt crypto lender celsius uh, why is it saying this again anyways let's scroll down here it talks about the the agreements would resolve customer claims over fraud allegations by raising recoveries 5%. The WSJ said, adding that a total of 30,000 claims seeking roughly around 78 billion could be settled, right? Celsius will see court approval for the settlements on August 10th at a hearing, according to a report. So that's not too far away at the time of this recording, right? So again, something to keep in mind. I really hope that people do get their funds back, but it's not entirely sure. As you guys know, this stuff has been dragging on. I think Mashinsky is in jail, if I'm not mistaken. He should be in jail from, from, from what I understood from previous articles that I've read. And Mashinsky is the CEO of Celsius, right? So hopefully he's able to do the right thing and they're able to get at least... A, I just hope that people get a portion of their, of their money back, man. Because nobody really deserves that. And you don't know what people are going through and what kind of... Some people may really need that money, you know? So... Let's move on to the next piece of news. So we see here that MetaMask to support cross-chain interactions with Snaps by 2024. So MetaMask, the popular Ethereum wallet from Consensus, plans to launch its long-awaited Snaps protocol before the end of 2023 and allowing wallet users to access new applications, the executive cross-chain protocol interactions. 
First announced in 2020, MetaMask describes Snaps as an open source system that allows anyone to safely extend the functionality of MetaMask to create new Web3 experiences, right? So this means, this means that developers can use Snaps to build out specialized features on top of MetaMask. This is revolutionary because MetaMask has been, you know, as everyone knows, no one likes using MetaMask. No one likes it. It's, it's very clunky very old very 90s looking so the idea that people can build their own customizable tooling on top will be huge and maybe leverage that you know but there's, there's other wallets that are good too but i think the the, the problem is the main one metamask was the first mover so that's also part of the problem you know they were a first mover but this this snaps it's nice it's nice you know let's just continue reading on the article too it says it says that the christian Christian Montoya you know, told the Defiant that Snaps also allows wallet users to run applications deployed on different networks using MetaMask. Crazy. That's interesting. So I wonder, is that all networks or what does that ex exactly mean? So it says Snaps promises to offer new Web3 experiences to wallet users and ignite a thriving developer ecosystem building innovative Snaps. Wallet providers typically prioritize simplicity and security or flashy features, meaning wallet experiences have not much changed in recent years. MetaMask won't charge any fees to Snaps users. The protocol is on track to launch in Q4, so we'll keep you guys updated on that, and you, so you guys can stay tuned for that. And let's move on to the next piece of news. So BNB. So again, going back to the Axe BNB chain hit with a copycatter viper attack of 73k 73,000 uh, exploited right so when we scroll down here we can see that uh, amid the exploits carried out in ethereum blockchain security firm blocksec tweeted on july 30th that around $73,000 worth of cryptocurrencies on binance smart chain across three exploits had also been stolen so again guys this article goes on to give all the verifying facts information and data and it looks like it looks like chain analysis too as well on the exploits right and um yeah so, so so someone went on to to tweet excellent news hopefully we can get it back so hopefully uh, they can track you know this, this this hacker and get the money and get the funds back but it is another thing again to keep in mind so let's move on to the next piece of news so here we see, let's go, let's go, let's go. So here we see another exploit happening with, it says according to Zach <coughs> XKB or X, XBT, um, monitoring the crypto payment service provider, Alfapo hot wallet was hacked on ETH, Tron and BTC and stolen more than $23 million in funds right on ethereum the stolen funds were converted to eth and then bridged to avalanche and bitcoin alfapo processes payments for a number of gambling services including hype drop bravado and ignition which was suspended withdrawals right so follow-up article that i wanted to read to you guys too as well goes on to talk more about alfapo's hack now estimated at 60 million right so the hack ended up being bigger than what people actually projected that it was going to be. And if you scroll down here, it says that the on-chain analysis, Zach XAB noted an additional theft of 37 million, elevating the initial estimate from 23 million, right? So let's just go on to continue to continue um, on because I just want to get, want to get through all these hacks so I can come up to, you guys and tell you guys what I'm thinking about all of this, right? So, um, when we go to another crypto hijacking, this is what I want to look at. So, crypto, so crypto jacking act attacks. Uh, so, crypto jacking attacks surged 399 percent over past year. Report finds, right? So, a new report found that crypto jacking attacks increased globally by 399 percent over the past 12 months. Cyber criminals are increasingly resorting to hacking servers and devices remotely, forcing them to mine cryptocurrency and Bitcoin without their owner's knowledge. Crazy. 
known as cryptojacking, a report uh, by Sonic Wall found the attacks increased globally by 30, 399% over the past 12 months. This nefarious practice has become the new modus operandi, operandi for hackers, right? The new MO for hackers as organizations increasingly refuse to pay ransoms, right? Interesting. So this is why cybersecurity, again, is super important. But again, the article goes on to read about the data suggested cyber criminals have also pivoted to this more discreet method because of increased law enforcement activity and heavy sanctions. The seemingly endless digital assault on enterprises, governments, and global citizens is intensifying and the threat and the threat landscape continues to expand. SonicWall CEO Bob Van, Van Kirk said, threat actors are relentless and our data indicates they are more opportunistic than ever, targeting schools, state and local governments re and retail organizations at unprecedented rates, right? So crypto jacking attacks increase globally. The global increase of 399% in crypto jacking attacks has resulted in a great uh, accumulation of Bitcoin by cyber criminals and nation states. So the latest data, so it says the latest data showed that this type of attack rose 479% over the past year in the UK. In the US, meanwhile, there were 240 million, 214 million attacks in 2023 alone, an increase of 340% with the attacks plaguing enterprises, cities, airlines, and even schools. This is why, again, I'm getting a cybersecurity cert because I want to add it to sort of the business as well. To sort of uh, offer these services um, as an extension of uh, you know Moonboy Capital, and I think it's super important to you know protect yourself. Security, security again, security again is super important. If you don't have it, you lose, you know. And I think a lot the way a lot of these companies are set up, they really need security. But anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. And so I think this might be the last exploit that I wanted to look at, right? So this article goes on to talk about the crypto futures show bias for Uniswap's UniToken after the Curve Finance exploit, right? So there was another exploit that happened with Curve Finance, right? And it was big, huge, major news. Again, so the, the whole point I want to make with all these exploits, right, is where are the exploits coming from, mainly? They're not coming from... For instance, like a like a more a, a one. So this is a very controversial protocol that really, really emphasizes security, and that's Cardano, right? And, and some people hate it. Cardano is a very polarizing project in the crypto space, right? But I just wanted to show you guys something, right? So because a lot of people will, will, will try to say and look at Cardano and say like, well, no one's building on there. That's why there's no exploits. And it's entirely not true. Actually, the the, the, D, the DeFi TVL has jumped up significantly during the bear market, right? So if we look at DeFi Llama, right? Let's take a look here, and we and we see the total value locked in all DeFi protocols around forty billion. I do have a hot take in projection to say by the end of this decade, the DeFi total value lock will exceed over a trillion for sure. If by the end of this decade, like a trillion is minimum. Is the minimal amount that that will be in liquidity locked in DeFi, right? So um, that's what it is right now. So when we go and we gravitate and look at chains, right? Cardano used to be way behind, way behind other 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 protocols, right? So let's go ahead and look. So so when we look at the chains, right? We can see the total value locked on all the chains. And we can see here that the pie chart that kind of shows Ethereum obviously is the, you know, has majority of the market share. You know, I mean, it's the, it was the first mover with DeFi, so it makes absolute sense. And majority of the project, the network effect is there. But when we scroll down, we can see Tron is up there, right? Um, and Arbitrum is up there, right? You know, in Optimism, you know, these are ETH layer 2 scaling solutions, right? And Polygon. They're all in within this top 10 range, right? But when we get to top 15, we see Cardano right there, right? Right there. We see Cardano at 175 million, right, currently. And if we can go to 
let me see. I don't know why this thing is so slow. Yeah, so when we go to the total value locked, right? If you look at just a few months ago in March, the TVL hit an all-time high of 326 million. So there's a lot of stuff bubbling in Cardano. And you see there's projects building, not just building, but products are ready to be used right now with utility, real like real actual DeFi utility right now. You you can use MinSwap, you can swap tokens, you can you can provide liquidity, you can earn passive income from that. You know, obviously there isn't permanent loss. Indigo is a, is a lending protocol too as well. And same with Liquid, you can look into and VeFi Finance, they have these these NFT lending and borrowing type of mechanism to go along with the DEX. And so if you scroll down, you can see you got another DEX, another DEX, another lending protocol in LendFi, which also leverages NFTs to to lend and borrow, which is a new sort of mechanism that uh, hasn't really been seen before, right? So if you just scroll down, you, you see all these different DeFi protocols that are readily available to be used. So the idea that Cardano doesn't have DeFi and, you know, it's a ghost chain, it's, it's madness to me. It's madness when you see the TVL picking up like how it has and you see all these different things. So it's just people not getting the right information, you know. So I really wanted to emphasize that Cardano is, is building a lot and they're doing a lot of great stuff. And the main thing for me is the security element. None of these protocols have been hacked, right? You don't hear any of these news from Cardano really, right? You don't hear anything about their stable coins going bust. Or anything weird, you know? And this is the cool thing that I do like about Cardano is, yes, they are slow. And, you know, DeFi summer was in 2020 and it's 2023 and Cardano is just now rolling out their DeFi, really. To the extent, you know, uh, I I think I would say that DeFi kind of started a little bit in 2022 for Cardano. But it didn't really kick off till 2023, in my opinion. So... It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So they do deliver. This is one thing about Cardano. They do deliver. It just takes them extra time, but they are very secure. For me, they're the most securest network in you know the top 100, and maybe you could argue in in crypto for proof of stake protocols, right? For proof of stake. Now I'm not talking about like they're more secure than Bitcoin, but also they're extremely highly decentralized, right? Right. They have over 3,000 plus nodes, right? So, yeah, just something to keep in mind when you're trying to make your investment thesis. I just thought I wanted to bring this up. And, um, yeah, you know, I wanted to kind of close off here and just let you guys know that, you know, <coughs> in crypto, it's, when you're making your theses, you can't make them off of what people are saying on Twitter, right? You have to, you can take information from there, but you need to come up with your own conclusion, you need to look at all the facts, look at all the data, look at all the talking points, look at the volume, look at the, 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 the fees, look at the, the active users, look at the if the wallet addresses is increasing or decreasing, look at you know all the different elements, look at the, the, the marketing, you know, look at the team. So you need to really be able to analyze these things from an entire you know holistic aspect, you know. There's so many aspects of it and also look at who else is doing it, you know, so I hope you guys enjoyed this this pod. I know that, you know, it's a little bit off because I'm coughing sometimes and I hope it didn't lose ruin your listening experience, you know, throughout the course of this. And guys, I'm just trying to get a little bit better for you guys so I can come out with a higher quality, high, higher potent podcast in, you know, the, the not so distant future, you know, for you guys. And thank you guys for sticking around. If you guys enjoy this content, stay tuned for the next one. And peace.